So I had an interesting journey, a, a little different than kind of my normal journey with the text as I was working to prepare the sermon for today. I kind of kept moving back and forth and, and getting sort of different insights and then, and then maybe correcting those insights. And, and I was really struggling, but, but at the heart of it, one of the things that I think I heard clearly was that God gives us his word uh, to reveal his heart. And as I was thinking about that and praying about that, I, I, I just recognized that we have this incredible um, history as, as Lutheran Christians. Uh, as, as Lutheranism was beginning, was being formed, Martin Luther had developed these amazing insights from his study of Scripture as a professor of Scripture, and he was writing about them, and, and primarily focused especially in the mercy of God as revealed in Scripture, and how uh, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is given to us, and that's what can make us righteous before God. And, and he was writing that out, and it was a challenge to some of the traditions of the church, which are kind of a part of our text today, especially our gospel. And, and the church asked him to recant his writings. And he had that, that famous moment where he said, unless I am convinced by the proofs from Scripture or by plain and clear reason and arguments, I, can, I cannot and I will not recant. This, this, this reality that as a church, we as Lutheran Christians are, are rooted in the authority of Scripture to make it clear to us who God is, what is God's character, and who are we. And the truth that Jesus Christ gave his, his life so that we could be reconciled, reunited with both God and one another. Great and beautiful truths in our tradition. And so then when I, when I came to this prophet Isaiah text that Jesus quotes in the New Testament, and I hear these words, all the future events in this vision are like a sealed book to them. And I started reading that, that uh, this book is given to certain people, and, the, and they say, we can't read it, it's sealed. And then other people that it's given to don't know how to read, and they say, well, we can't read it, we don't know how to read and when I first read that this week and, 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 and started looking at it, I thought, what a lame excuse. And I was really thinking that what was happening here was people who had access to the prophetic word in their life were basically ignoring it. And there may be some truth to that, but, but I decided that maybe it would be a good idea to look at the context again. And I realized that earlier in Isaiah, what's happening is uh, the people of God, the people of Israel are being uh, uh, tormented. They're being victimized. God is giving their enemies victory over them. They're, they're heading into exile. They've been overrun, and, uh, and God has not helped them. And they... And this is happening because they've allowed themselves to kind of do their own thing. 
and move far away from God. And then I, and then I came to the passage for today and I realized, oh, there's something really important here that it's really easy for us to miss. This withdrawal of the voice of God into their lives, this, this inability to open the sealed scroll or this inability to read God's word as it's given to them is the ultimate punishment that makes the overrun of their city, the loss of the war, pale in comparison. It's sort of the the final nail in the coffin of God's judgment because the people have ignored him. I'm going, wow. That is a hard, hard word. And he goes on to describe it. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Oh, they say the right things, but they're not really taking to heart what they're saying. They have it right in their minds, but it's clearly not being lived out in their world. And therefore, as Jesus said, their worship is a farce. What a harsh judgment and maybe a scary one. Maybe a scary one. But I'm so glad that the God we worship is good. I'm so glad that the God we worship is God of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm so glad that if we, if we keep reading, if we, if we don't stop in that moment of fear and abandonment and, and, and emptiness, uh, we can go on and hear the word of the prophet say something more like, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. Let me translate for you. I'm going to make my goodness so obvious that they can't possibly ignore it. Yeah, they're going to they're going to go through this punishment. They're going to go through this hard time and then I'm coming back. And I'm going to show them. I'm going to demonstrate to them my power. I'm going to I'm going to show them that they can turn to me and rely on me and be provided for. One of the hard words earlier is that normally uh, the people of Israel are, are referred to by God as my people. And, and earlier, instead of saying my people, it said these people. Ooh, what a hard word. But then this great promise. Yeah, sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, it says, who do their evil deeds in the dark. The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. I, I don't know, maybe I'm a little weird, and, well, that's true. I am a little weird, um, uh, but maybe some of you relate to me. I, I, I kind of, I'm at the place, I've been, I've been walking with God long enough now that I don't think I ever say the Lord can't see this. 
but I sometimes can convince myself that he really doesn't care about that part. You know, I'm trying to justify my doing things my own way, and so I'm going, well, God really doesn't care about this. He's, he's all right letting me be on my own over here. No. No, when you, when you walk that path of saying, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. It doesn't matter what God thinks. That's what sorrow awaits. That's a, that's a, a bad path to choose. The text continues, how foolish can you be? He is the potter, and he's certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say to the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does the jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? Now again, I, this is the NLT, and it may, maybe there's a little license here that, you know, I mean, I don't, can, can any of you ever imagine saying God is stupid? Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, that, that's like... That's sort of a, a step further away from God than I've been for a very long time. I, I certainly don't think God is stupid, but, but then when you figure out what the translation means and you move away from stupid as almost a curse word and you go, what does it actually mean? Without understanding. Should, should we, who are created by God, Say of God, God really doesn't understand what I'm going through right now. He doesn't understand how this feels. I mean, after all, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man, but also fully God. So, so, so he really doesn't understand why I feel the way I do in these circumstances. Oops. Yeah, I... I'll admit that I, I can sometimes allow my mind to drift off to that place where I forget that God understands exactly, exactly what I'm going through and how I'm feeling. And so I'm, I'm pretty foolish sometimes. But then in the text, the promise comes soon, and it will not be very long in that day, the deaf will hear words read from the book, and the blind will see through the gloom and the darkness. You see, when I, when I looked at that first part of the text, and it said, they will say we can't read it because it's sealed, and then I realized that, yeah, the seal is the authority, and you really, if you don't have the authority, you really are not to open a sealed scroll. Uh, it's like, that, you don't do that. And, and then if you can't read, you can't read. But now look at the promise. The promise is the deaf will hear. The promise is the blind will see. Now, does that make any sense? Well, not by our abilities. But God is saying there's not going to be anything that's going to get in the way of my making myself known to my people. I will go beyond their deafness. I will go beyond their blindness. I will make myself known. And then listen to this. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. The poor will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. What a great 
promise. Man, from the depths of, of losing uh, your city and your country in, in war and being cut off from God to this amazing promise that says, nothing is going to stop me from making myself known to you. Not even your own deafness and blindness is going to get in the way. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to be your God. You will be my people. We, we live in a time, unlike most centuries before us, where God's word is readily available to us. I, re I remember in seminary when I had to have both an English Bible and a Greek Bible, and I would try to figure out, because I wasn't that great at languages, I would try to figure out what word in the English language aligned to which word in the Greek Bible, and then I would get out the, the Greek and English dictionary, and I would look up the Greek word, and I would figure out which part of speech it is, and I would try to figure out what that word is, and I'd go back to see if the translators got it right. And quite honestly, while they get it right most of the time, there's, there's nuance and there's insight and there's wisdom that comes from knowing what that original word was. And nowadays, on my Bible, on my computer, I can just bring my cursor over it and it opens it up and shows me the Greek definition of the It's amazing how easy it is to go deeper into the understanding of, of how God reveals himself and how God reveals the heart of who we are and how God demonstrates his mercy through his word. But sometimes we leave it on the shelf or we just try to do a simple reading. When we turn to the gospel today, we turn to this story in Mark where the Pharisees are confronting Jesus because the disciples aren't uh, following the, the rituals. You know, I, 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 again, I looked at the context. You realize that, that just before this, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Jesus has just walked on the water. Anybody else done that? Somebody raised their hand and say, when it's frozen. I mean, Jesus is, has gone through the villages preaching the gospel, healing the sick, performing miracles, and the, the Pharisees and the religious uh, leaders come from Jerusalem and they confront him, and I'm falling down, but it's okay, I didn't fall. And he said... Dude, how come your disciples aren't washing their hands? I mean, seriously? I know the video's going crazy. Sorry, Andrew. That's what happens when you dive down the stairs. Seriously. They're worried about hand washing when Jesus has been demonstrating the power of God in profound ways. But if you look at the text, it's actually worse than that. 
It's actually worse than that because what the Pharisees and religious lawyers, what, what they're accusing the disciples of is eating with defiled hands. Making everything unholy and unclean. What they're really saying is, is your disciples should be put out. They need to go make themselves right with God before you let them back in. They're unclean. They don't deserve to be here. And Jesus is saying, man, you just don't understand the truth. You're worried about these nets. You're not, you're not seeking to understand the heart of God. You're, you're caught up in your own traditions, and you're ignoring the very word of God that's been given to you. I wish it weren't true of us. But sometimes we just ignore the Bible altogether. We just don't even bother to even ask the question whether or not it applies to a certain circumstance or relationship in our lives. We're just going about our business, ignoring. Other times we, we read the Bible and we challenge what it says rather than allowing it to challenge what we think and what we do. Other times, and I think we're really good at this, we relegate what the Bible says to the spiritual area of our lives. Oh yeah, it's important, you know, to read the Bible. It's important to be right with God so that you're spiritually right. But then we ignore how that spiritual truth is to impact loving the other, especially loving the annoying. <laughs> How it's supposed to impact what we do with our money. How it's supposed to impact how we act with our parents. See, the, the truth of this Old Testament and this New Testament is that God cares about the whole of our lives. He knows every element, every area. And he desires to bring his grace and peace and love and truth into every area of our lives. He desires to bring forgiveness to us, and he also desires to bring forgiveness through us. He desires to restore us so that we know that he loves us and we're right with him, but he also desires to restore us to one another so that we can love and be right with each other. When we move to the gospel lesson and we see Jesus challenge the hypocrisy of the religious leaders and the Pharisees, all of a sudden we hear him take it to a much more intimate level. Look at how you deal with your parents. Let's go right into the home. Do you mistakenly think that God cares more about what you offer to him 
than he does about what you offer to your family. When God reveals his heart to us, he desires to transform our hearts. And that transformation is, yes, vertical, and yes, horizontal. And we go to that place where we went with the children. We say, Lord, help me out here. Help me love my wife more. Not just in here, but in what I say and what I do. Help me love my parents more. Help me love my kids more. Help me love my neighbor. So that you are honored and glorified. So that your goodness and mercy is demonstrated. So, so that your character, God, is revealed to us through your word and to our world through us, your people. We have this incredible gift in God's word. It is there to set us free. It is there to help us know God's love and experience it. And the Holy Spirit is at work to work in our hearts and lives and to turn our lives to our neighbor so that they can get a glimpse of the goodness of God who's already claimed you by his promise and love. Amen.